everybody. Welcome to Grow Up, where we are healing the child within us while lovingly and respectfully raising the child that's in front of us. Are you ready? It's time to grow up. Welcome back to the podcast, everybody. My name is Amy. I'm your host, and I cannot tell you how good it feels to be back. This podcast recording is coming a few weeks late. With that comes my apologies, of course. Um, It was a little hiatus that I didn't plan for, that I didn't see coming, but life got pretty crazy and hectic, and there was a lot on my plate, and unfortunately, things that I love, such as connecting with all of you via this platform, had to kind of be put on the back burner because I was just at capacity, and... I say it all the time that I'm not an expert. I'm not anybody that's any more special than any one of you listening. I am just a mom who's growing up right alongside her child, who is being challenged daily, who is learning as I go and taking life's hits as they come and trying to do my best through it all. But that being said, I'm just human, and sometimes I know you all can relate out there that when life gets a little bit hectic and crazy, you know, something's got to give, and a lot gave. (laughs) This definitely wasn't the only area in which, you know, I had to cut back, but um, I know that those of you that follow me on Instagram noticed that I kind of was a little bit more quiet on there. And then just every week when I went to go put out another episode, it was like, you know, something else would go on and here we are a few weeks late. So again, thank you for your patience and understanding. And yeah, I'm just so happy to be back. I can't even tell you I was chomping at the bit to get on the microphone tonight and record because I feel like in a weird way as I sit here alone in my front room at my house recording this it's like I'm chatting with each and every one of you and um, thank you to everybody who reached out to check in um, thank you to everyone just in general who's out there listening to this and on the Instagram platform and you know, chiming in with your two cents every now and again. And I really just cannot express enough how good this whole experience has been for my soul and how much connecting with you all means to me and putting out my story that in hopes somebody out there gets a little shred of camaraderie or support or validation just from hearing what we're going through. So I know I talked about For those of you, I guess, who've been around, you know, for the last little bit here, ever since 2022 hit, I swear every month we've had a decent sized, you know, thing, hurdle, if you will, um, crop up unexpectedly into our lives. And um, with the start of my business last summer, um, now that I'm a small business owner and it's all on my shoulders as I work alone, um, Sometimes as these hurdles have come up and I've had to, you know, cancel work or call off or do all these things, I end up um, then having to make it all up myself and, you know, working myself tirelessly. And then, like I said, just kind of running out for running out of extra minutes for myself to kind of do the things that I do for my self-care or keep up on the house or do the do the podcast and things like that. So um, I don't know. If I touched on it completely, maybe I have. I'm struggling to remember at the moment. But um, we took our first major family vacation recently. And I know it's like people always joke that like once you have kids, it's not a vacation. It's like a trip, right? (laughs) And um, there's some some pretty uh, good truth to that. Um, Definitely when you have a child things don't feel as relaxing or um, it almost just feels like the same thing in a different place. (laughs) Um, But this one was a little bit different because it was a vacation that my parents had been wanting to go on um, for a few years, actually. So um, I'm lucky enough that both of my parents are still um, alive and well and knock on wood. (laughs) And um, they decided this is pre-pandemic that they wanted to treat, you know, my immediate family, my husband, my son and I, and my sister and her husband, my brother-in-law, 
um, to a trip to Disney, you know, just kind of to celebrate the fact that we're just making memories and we're all able to do so. So that's been on their bucket list for a while. And they talked about doing it in 2020 or 2021. Well, then the pandemic hits. And as we all know, COVID has thrown a wrench into so much stuff. And of course, this vacation was no exception to that. So that went on the back burner. And then come 2021, and we were still obviously feeling a good amount uneasy. Um, For those of you that have been around um, on the podcast since the early episodes, I definitely kind of delve into my childhood medical trauma and things like that. And for those of you that are new, um, just a quick, you know, background is that my immediate family, my husband, my son, and I have taken COVID precautions extremely seriously and conservatively as it was um, an extremely triggering um, event, I guess, for me with some of the medical trauma that I've gone through in my life, uh, especially in regard to my brother who died kind of um, mysteriously, if you will, from a weird fluke, rare reaction to a virus. So, um, so yeah, so we were kind of playing it very, very safe. And then when the vaccine started rolling out, my parents, you know, kind of said, what about 2022? And of course, just as we've all been in this boat for so long no one can ever foresee or no one ever foresaw I guess I should say how long this nightmare pandemic would be going on so of course we're like yeah you know the vaccines are out for us adults we're all vaxxed um there's no way that like in a year's time literally one year's time my son who will be five in August won't be vaccinated of course he'll be vaccinated by then. So sure, let's book it, right? Well, you know, joke was on us because it was in, you know, a couple of weeks ago, beginning of June, and there was still no vaccine for under five. I tried calling his pediatrician and begging and saying, could I sign any waiver you can throw at me to take any responsibility away from you? Of course they couldn't, which I knew going into it, but I, you know, couldn't help myself from trying. Uh, My husband even went in to go get another booster and they also would not give him a second booster because they said he was not eligible, even with his asthma and things like that. So we were trying again to be as protected as possible and, I was pretty stressed out about it. Um, For those of you that remember, back at the end of March, early April, I had COVID and my husband and son did not get it. So I was kind of banking on my antibodies, but I was a little bit worried for them being around so many people at Disney and being on the flights and knowing that, you know, the rules of, you know, masking, et cetera, have all been dropped. So um, just kind of, you know, feeling nervous about the whole thing. In another vein, along with that, is the fact that my son is neurodivergent. He has a diagnosis of sensory processing disorder and has lots of anxiety and goes to occupational therapy to help with those things. Um, I have a sneaking suspicion that he maybe um, will receive an ADHD diagnosis Um, in his life at some point as I actually, this is kind of a new discovery for myself as an almost 36 year old woman, have realized that I too think that I have ADHD. And um, it has been, it's kind of a weird way to describe it for any of you out there who have that diagnosis or suspect that diagnosis. The best way I can describe it is that like, if you look at your life as like a jigsaw puzzle, with a ton of pieces that all fit together and you know, come together to give you the bigger picture of your life. It's almost like this revelation that I have ADHD is like the one missing piece of the jigsaw puzzle that I couldn't find. And it was like the pic- like the piece of the jigsaw puzzle had the person's face on it that had an expression that was going to dictate the whole vibe of the puzzle. <laughs> and it's missing. So you can see the picture, but you don't know if the person's like happy or sad or scared or whatever. So you're kind of like not quite clear on the puzzle or on the entire picture, you know, in, in, as a whole. 
And so I was telling my husband this, I go, imagine you just found that like missing piece of the puzzle and you plug it in and you're like, oh, here's what that person looks like. And they're feeling surprised or whatever, because you can see the expression. Like that's kind of how I feel. I feel like I'm looking through like retros, you know, retrospectively looking through my life and like it's in a whole new vein that is making so much more sense. It's like all of a sudden everything's like crystal clear and these things that these traits about myself and these habits and these things and the way that I process things like all of this stuff that I've struggled with and maybe not even known that I was struggling with but maybe just like thought that that's just like me and I maybe had a lot of shame or um insecurity about I'm realizing actually can boil down to this neurodivergence and the reason I even got on this train I mean similar to the name of the podcast grow up is in raising my son and noticing things about him and doing a deep dive and research about possible things to help him and support him I've realized that like I have so many of the same traits and in talking to clients of mine that have ADHD and um, different diagnoses and it's just been very interesting to hear the similarities and and they've actually informed me and I've since validated through research that like ADHD or other neurodivergence is hereditary a lot of the time so then it got me really thinking you know about some stuff so anyways all this to say my son obviously has just a different way of approaching life at times. Different struggles that maybe wouldn't, you know, you wouldn't see in the typical four-year-old boy. So, one night, you know, this is probably, I'm going to say a little bit less than a month before we left for Disney. I was on Instagram and I follow the account at OT Butterfly or the OT Butterfly. I'm forgetting now if there's a the or not in there. And she's an occupational therapist, which obviously, you know, we we seek treatment at occupational therapy. It's been very successful with my son and in helping to support and helping me understand his sensory needs and some of his regulation stuff. And um, I see that they're at Disney. And I apparently I think they go there quite a bit. I've gathered since all of this has come out. But the point being, she mentions in her story that children with cognitive disabilities can receive disability services at Disney. And that included her daughter, who also has sensory processing disorder. I believe that she's a sensory sensitive. My son definitely has sensitivities, but he is what they call a sensory seeker. And because of some of this stuff, it really triggers his anxiety, primarily, and also if you remember on a previous episode where I detail one of his major meltdowns that he had when we went to go see Trolls Live, my son has, like, probably his Achilles heel, his kryptonite, if you will, is any kind of impulse control when it comes to a pause about something he's passionate or excited about. So, for instance, if he's excited to go to grandma's house and then I tell him grandma's coming in five minutes, that would trigger the biggest meltdown on the planet. If I'm at Target and, you know, he wants to buy whatever and I say, okay, sure, you can pick one of those things out and he picks one out and he's so happy about it and then we get up to the cash register and there's any line which obviously there will be because life. And that is like meltdown city. And in my experience in nannying and teaching and things like that, I mean, yes, preschool age children struggle with frustration tolerance and patience and all those things. But this will trigger things like we are never going to get to the front of the line. When we get there, she's going to tell us we can't buy this. She's not going to let us ring it up. We're never going to get to the front because the line's going to close. That person's going to take this from me. And it just becomes this like snowball of sorts of big feelings and anxious feelings. And then if you try to 
you know, reasonably lay out the situation. No, she's not going to turn her, you know, cash register off because her light is on. And when the light is on, it's open. It'll, it'll give him a new idea of a new anxiety. Like what if the light is broken and it says it's on, but it's really off. And it's like, it, you can't even, um, come in with extra logical support. You literally just have to ride the wave which looks like just helping his nervous system de-escalate. Um, and a lot of times when we're in those big feelings, it's like you have to leave the situation. So that would look like, you know, picking up his body, taking him to a quiet part of the store, doing some deep breathing, you know, holding him if he, if he is okay with that. Sometimes he wants space. And just kind of working through those emotions together until he's in a calm state, which of course is so freaking hard because as a, you know, recovering people pleaser and person who just, you know, wants to do every single thing right. And, um, you know, I'm working through the feelings that like your child is a reflection of you and all those things. And that's really hard for me. It gets me really overwhelmed. And then my stuff starts kicking in. So you can imagine that we're just on this teeter totter of, you know, sensory dysregulation and, and crazy things. And I mean, it's to the point where even if he wants, you know, to get some food carry out like a drive through or something, and we say, sure, it's not like we're saying no, right? Like, we're like, yes, you want the thing? Sure. Today? Yes. And then we go. And I, I'll tell him like, now I've gotten to the point where I'll say, okay, it looks like there's six cars in line. Is that something you feel like you can you know, handle today? Or would you rather just go home? You know, and sometimes he says go home and sometimes we wait in line. But the point is any kind of pause, any kind of waiting, even if there's a reward at the end, even if you're on the same team and you're like, yes, you can ride that carousel or yes, you can have that ice cream. If there's some kind of, you know, waiting for the thing, it's not just, um, it's not just like uh, um, an angsty toddler, like, I don't want to wait, you know, thing. It's literally like you see all the floodgates of anxiety just pour out, okay? Um, and yes, the old school conventional behaviorist parent that is conditioned into me usually likes to pop its little head out. I always... I think I said this in one of the first episodes, I like picture it like sitting on my shoulder, like the old school angel and devil cartoons and saying things like, you know, if you're going to act like this, we're not going to get ice cream or you can't have that toy or whatever the thing is that is the object of his desire. And then I remind myself that he's not giving me a hard time. He's having a hard time. And it's something that we need to go through in order to develop that muscle. And it's something that isn't about the reward at the end, because if it was about the reward at the end, he would be quiet and he would be patient because he's getting the thing that he wants. It's truly like an impulse thing. Okay. It's a very long winded way of me telling you that I was pretty much losing my shit thinking about not only the fact about the safety with COVID, but that we are about to go to Disney. Okay with my whole entire family. I'm the only, you know, my husband and I are the only one with a child. My sister and brother-in-law do not have children yet. And we are literally going there to wait in lines. I mean, yes, you do all the things. And they're very fun things that he's going to be really, really into. But to get the, you know, fun things, you have to wait in hours long lines. What about the flight? Right. I mean, a flight is like, I mean, for us, it was a couple hour flight. Nothing that's, you know, too crazy, but he'd never been to an airport before. He had never been on an airplane before. We had never really taken a true family trip before because of the pandemic. Right. Like my son was only two when the pandemic happened. And because of him being such a high needs baby, high needs toddler, I mean, we really did not feel like we, my husband and I am speaking of now, he was such a wild card that like for us mentally and physically to take him on a vacation, it was something that like was way too overwhelming for us. And we had started to get a little bit more comfortable um, towards when he was about two and a half to start doing a little bit more adventurous things with him. Well, then COVID hit. So then we went kind of like and retreated. So we hadn't really done a lot of these big trips and um, 
you know, even the drives in the car to go on like a road trip with him, we didn't do because for the longest time, my son screamed bloody murder anytime he was in the car seat. Holler if you hear me, by the way. I know there's a few parents that listen to this podcast that have that child. And I just want to say solidarity because that is one of the craziest, hardest things to go through, especially when you're trying to, you know, get somewhere safely and you have a screaming kid, no matter, you know, what's going on in the backseat. So anyway, there was a lot of unknowns on this trip. For my anxiety, that sends me through the roof. The idea of parenting my neurodivergent child in front of my parents and my sister and brother-in-law who are both teachers and knowing that they don't get it the way that my husband and I get it not for lack of wanting to but just like you know how I was before I had children and you know and with them being teachers and what they know to expect from children um, they are not special ed teachers Um, not saying that they don't have Um, children with neurodivergence or neurodiversity rather in their classrooms Um, but that is not necessarily their specialty my parents who are a little bit more old school a little bit more conservative um, who you know watch my son but they're they don't get it the way that we get it and we know that we're going to be quote dealing with I hate the way that sounds but you know handling these big emotions and supporting him through these things while they're with us and they may not get it you know and I just had a lot of big feelings because I knew that this whole trip was going to bring out that you know kryptonite and that Achilles heel so anyways when I see the OT post OT butterfly that is post that her daughter qualified for disability services because of her sensory processing disorder I was very curious kind of in like disbelief like oh my god really like Someone gets it. Someone understands the struggle. Um, and now cognitive you know, disability could be any kind of neurodivergence, as far as I'm aware. I guess you'd have to consult with Disney. But to me, I'm thinking ADHD, autism, um, sensory processing disorder, probably OCD, anxiety, those type of things. Um, and also with, you know, physical disabilities. I saw children with Down syndrome, people in wheelchairs, you know, things like that, that also qualified for this service. And you basically have to go either in person when you get there with your child or do a video call prior to your visit to get these services. And I was terrified to seek them out. Um, Not because we didn't qualify, because we most certainly do. I mean, he goes to occupational therapy for these reasons. We have a diagnosis. But it just felt interesting and weird, like almost like how you like gaslight yourself into things like that, almost like that imposter syndrome of like, but like, am I just being crazy? Am I just, you know, maybe I'm just trying to make excuses or, you know, whatever. And then I thought, no, you know, if he can qualify for this, why wouldn't me? It would make our lives. It Like, honestly, to me, it, it looked like relief. It, it looked like actually having a fighting chance for this to be a quote successful whatever that means but enjoyable family vacation where we could look back on memories made and not just look back on you know us having to de-escalate these meltdowns because I was picturing waiting in lines him losing his shit us having to leave the lines to calm him down then the irony of that is that we have to get back into the line at the end if he started to calm down and do it again and and you know in the heat you know when we were down there it was like 98 degrees or 99 degrees and humidity was insane and we were walking 10 miles a day and just all that sensory stuff let alone you know the lines so I just was like really freaking out so I decided I'm gonna pursue this disability services thing and then of course you're reading all the the fine print and it's like if you you know if the Disney organization like you know catches you lying about this because of of course for you know every child that does have it I'm sure I could I could call up and say oh well I have this even though I don't and they would you know if I was lying about it they would have no idea of telling you know noticing that because a lot of these disabilities these cognitive disabilities are invisible so anyway if you they find out that you're lying about this you get banned from Disney for life now I knew I wasn't lying about it but I'm sure there's someone out there that can relate to this I've never stolen something I'm not a thief but how many times have I walked through like a detector of something and thought to myself like I 
hope I don't set off the detector. Okay, well, why would I? I didn't steal anything, right? But it was like that feeling of like totally unreasonable. Like, why would I get in trouble for lying about this diagnosis when it's not a lie? But I was like, what if they deem it that it's like not you know, he doesn't have it as much or severe as they, you know, whatever. And I was like, oh my God, we're going to get punished and get banned from Disney and the whole vacation is going to be ruined, you know? So obviously that didn't happen. We got the services for my son and, you know, we were able to go to Disney. The reason I'm telling you this is with everything going on in the world lately, with all these major things that have been cropping up in our lives, my life specifically since, you know, January of this year. I feel like it's been a steady stream of bullshit. And then on top of it, we're still dealing in America in a crazy political climate. Uh, You know, just recently the Supreme Court ruling about uh, women's reproductive freedoms. Um, What else? I mean, just you name it. Uvalde, which we had an episode on the last episode about the school shootings. Um, I personally had COVID, I had a concussion, all these things, you know, where I'm going with this is when we applied to the, the DAS services, disability access services at Disney, I was feeling freaked out. I was feeling anxious about the trip. I was feeling all types of ways. I was nervous, grateful for the vacation that my parents wanted to provide for us, excited to see them and hopefully make memories, but really feeling like the cloud of doom over my head was, you know, just huge. And something that nobody but me and my husband could really truly understand the depth of because we're the ones that are on in this fight every single day with my son. Not a fight, but you know what I mean, in this battle. And what it reminded me of, and I'll get to the story in a moment, is that in every single hard situation, and I'm not saying this to be the bearer of toxic positivity because I fucking hate toxic positivity. Because yes, there's a time and a place and an outlook and, you know, mindset is important. But feeling your feelings is also important. And reality is also important. And it's important to sit in the shit sometimes, Right. But while you're sitting in the shit, it gives you an opportunity to look for the supporters, to look for the helpers. If something wasn't wrong and hard, there would be nobody there as almost like your angel of sorts or your helper of sorts. And I was reminded of this when we called for the disability services. So I decided I'm going to go with the video call option for my son. Because if you do the in-person one, you have to wait in a line to talk to the people about the thing. And I'm like, that's literally the thing that's going to be the hardest for us. So I decided I'm just going to get in this online queue. I heard it could take hours, but I thought, whatever, I'm home with him. Let's just do this. And the great part about it taking a little while is that my son had to wait to go on this video call. And while we're waiting to go on this video call, of course, what is it going to do? It's going to trigger his anxiety and you're going to see some of those behaviors on the video call, right? So in my mind, I thought this is actually kind of a win-win because when I get on the call with this person, they're going to see that side of my son's personality, which is going to show them exactly the thing that I'm asking for these services about the queue wasn't very long but it was probably about 10 minutes and that is enough to make my son just you know lose it so that's exactly what happened he was in a big feeling and then we get on the zoom call so we got on with alice miss alice and i didn't know miss alice but by the end of it i felt like there was some weird divine intervention that we were hooked up together on this, you know, disability services queue to, to assist us and to meet my son and to help me. My son is super social. So the second we get on this video call, he is like chomping at the bit to talk to Miss Alice. And 
We're in his bedroom because that's where we were when I decided to pull the trigger on this, you know, phone call. And so he's got all of his toys and he's like, you know, instantly like, let me show you this. And do you know this? And blah, 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 blah. And she was so sweet and she was so patient. And yes, I know she was getting paid for this, but she went above and beyond. And her patience was literally unmatched. And she was like, oh, you have that? Well, let me show you this. And she was like pulling up little souvenirs and showing him. And oh, do you have that one? Okay, show me that one. I want to show you this. And they were kind of going back and forth a little bit. And I just thought, oh my gosh, like she is so sweet that she's even entertaining this instead of just being like, okay, you know, cut to the chase. Stop talking, little kid. I got to talk to your mom, right? After they had done, you know, their back and forth for a while, we get talking about why we're seeking out these services, right? And... I get all flustered, you know, because I'm like, oh, God, don't mess up and say the wrong thing. And then I get banned from Disney for life. Right. This is like panicking inside. And I barely got his diagnosis, you know, out of my mouth. And she was like, OK, great. And it was just so validating that she was like, yep, great. And it felt like I felt so seen. I felt like, oh, wow, you just like believe me. And that's all I had to say. And. And it was just so that already I was like feeling this weight lifted of just like, oh, my gosh, I feel so supported. I feel so seen. And then as the call went on, she had to give me some, you know, details. We had to link accounts and all these things with the people in our party and blah, 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 blah. Well, in the meantime, my son's just absolutely losing it. Like he cannot, you know, he keeps trying to talk and talk over her and all these things. And she was so patient with him and she would hear his stories and all these things. And then she would do this trick with him where she would say, when I have something really important to say, and I know I can't talk yet, I'll stick up a finger and I'll put my thought on that finger so I don't forget it. And then I'll hold it up so that the person who's talking knows that I have something to say. And she's like, and every time you think of something, I want you to put up a finger. And then if you need to add to it, you put up two fingers or three or whatever. I shit you not, by the end of this conversation, he had like eight fingers up or something crazy. And she basically would give me a piece of direction that I needed for this service and then stop and say, okay, Vaughn, now it's your turn. Did you have something you wanted to tell me? You know, what's this finger? You know, and he would tell her something. And the something was like, you know, something that didn't actually make sense or need to be said. And she would, oh, wow, that's so great. Thanks for telling me that. Okay, save your other ones, you know. And every single time she would share something, she would go back to him. Okay, Vaughn, now it's your turn. I mean, the patience, the extra time this woman took, I have never felt so seen in my life. Like even talking about it right now, like I could just start sobbing because what she didn't know was what the anxiety and the pressure that was on my heart when I even went to call and ask for this service, whether we'd qualify and whether they'd believe us because so many people in my life don't or they just think that I'm, you know, over-exaggerating or, you know, oh, he just sounds like he's a brat or whatever these people think because they don't live a day in our lives, in our shoes. And to hear her be so accepting and so patient with him and see him. And, you know, because the thing was when I would pause, you know, I'd have to mute us because he kept trying to talk, you know, and I'd say, okay, save the rest of your stories. And, and I would pause it. And then he would get really upset because he wanted to keep talking. And then, so I'm trying to listen to her and get the info and write it down, all these things that I needed to do and, and, and know for these services, which was a really big deal. And, you know, I would pause it and he wanted to talk more. So then secretly what she didn't know was like, you know, off camera, he was like kicking me, hitting me, all the things, right? And I'm trying to regulate him and I'm trying to like, you know, like get him to stop hitting me and kicking me and stop his hands and his feet. And, you know, and he was just dysregulated. And, you know, that's just four year olds. Right. They, they get mad. They get angry. They get dysregulated. And, and that's what happens. So her just taking the extra mi- couple minutes to really let him speak. To lighten my load on the other side, it was just everything. I can't even describe to you. And she was just so patient with me, so patient with him. So at the end of it, you know, I said to her, I said, I just want you to know. I said, because at that point, my son had finished all the things he was going to say, and he had, like, gone to play in the other room. It was kind of over it at that point, I guess. It had probably been over 30 minutes of this conversation on the on Zoom or whatever. And I said to her, I said, I just have to tell you, like, 
you saw like firsthand kind of what we deal with when his impulse control is challenged and his frustration tolerance and all the things. And I said, truly, I said, and this is, I, I mean this. I so mean this. I'm not a religious person, but I said, you're an angel. I said, you are, you were like an angel to me. I said, I was nervous to call and nervous to get this service for him. And, and this is his trigger. I can't even make one phone call. You guys, I'm not even kidding. When I'm at home, if someone calls me about like medical, this or called to make an appointment or called to whatever, I cannot talk on the phone unless my son is like not home, not with me, or like my husband is home to like man him while I am on the phone. Like he cannot take it. It's like a thing. It's a trigger. It's a whole thing. So to hear her handle it so beautifully and eloquently and teach him a new skill about putting it on his finger and waiting his turn. And she, you know, and she was so loving and nurturing and she saw us and she saw my struggle and she helped and I said that to her, and I said, you really, truly, I said, you're just an angel. I said, I, I, I can't even express to you how much I appreciate you. And she said to me, about 25 years ago, you know, when I went to Disney with my son, I, gosh, I'm just getting so emotional about this. I, I, you know, just it meant the world to me. Um, she said, I took him to Disney, and, you know, we had something similar, but we didn't have this. And I just love this service and blah, 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 blah. And she said, yes, you know, she's like, you know, we qualified and I get it and blah, blah, blah. She said, I have, I have an autistic son. And it was like this light bulb of like, oh my God, my people, <laughs> like you get it. You get neurodiversity, you get children who have individual invisible needs that seem, you know, someone else that doesn't get it would look and say, oh my God, why is that kid being so blah? Or why this? Or why that? And this woman didn't have any of those preconceived notions. She just saw my son and she saw me and she was an angel. She was so helpful. And I think the reason I'm getting so emotional is because it alludes to the, the depth of the hardship and the misunderstanding that you feel when you are raising a child who has neurodivergence or is neurodivergent, I should say, doesn't have that. He is that. And now knowing what I know about myself, I think even more so, it touches a wound in me for how often in my life I did and still do feel misunderstood and unsupported and this stranger just transformed our whole family trip which is something I wanted so desperately to feel after such a hard pandemic you know situation to make those memories to have that family time and I was so nervous, you know, the flight and the trip and the lines and how is this all going to go and no one's going to get me. And she did. And where I'm going with this is it's through those struggles, any struggle, this is just mine, where you find the helpers, you find the angels. And if you weren't struggling, those angels and those helpers do not have an opportunity to show themselves. And I'm not saying like, oh, yay, just go out and struggle so people can help you. That's not what I mean. I just mean when we are in it, and so many of us are right now, so many of us are feeling so downtrodden and just hopeless and stressed and all the things and that's valid and sit with it and be angry about it and be sad about it and grieve and do your self-care and do all those things. But while you're doing those things, don't forget that there's still hope, that there's still beauty in people, that there's still people that care. There's still activists that are fighting. And not only can you find them, but you can be one to somebody else. And when somebody is feeling so dysregulated and so low, like I was before that phone call, 
to be that for somebody could be everything to them. Right? So we go through this trip. It was incredible. It really was. It was so much better than we could have ever thought. And in large part, that was because of the service that we got, you know, from from Miss Alice. And there, it wasn't without hardship. It wasn't without struggle. It wasn't without meltdowns. But it was bearable. It was, you know, pretty typical. It was pretty easy to roll with those punches. If we did not have that service, it would have been an absolute nightmare, especially now that I've been there and I see how it goes. It just would have been totally hard for him and hard for all of us in turn. So we fly home and my sister and brother-in-law take a different flight. I'm saying this because when we got home two days later after we got off our flight, my husband and my dad tested positive for COVID. (laughs) Just like I had feared, right? My mom had a booster about a week before the trip, so she was negative and stayed negative. I still had antibodies from April and May, and so I stayed negative. And then my son came down with it two days after my husband, which was my biggest fear. And it was horrible. And everyone's like, oh, it was probably easy and this and that. I mean, he wasn't vaccinated, obviously, because he couldn't be. And again, two weeks before that, I had called my pediatrician to try to get him a shot, and they wouldn't. Obviously, they couldn't do that. And, you know, he was pretty sick. He mostly had GI symptoms. He was throwing up. He had a high fever, lethargic, you know, all the things. And seeing him in that state brought me right back to a lot of my birth trauma with him where I felt completely helpless and scared of the unknown and all those things. And it was weird. It showed me, again, if you're willing to look kind of behind the feelings, and it showed me how deep that wound is for my birth trauma that... The second I'm seeing my son, you know, throwing up and feeling sick and helpless and I have to help him and I don't know how because I can't make it stop, right? It takes me right back to that place. I mean, literally, I felt like I was staring at my baby screaming in an incubator. Um, and it shows you, it gives you like that mirror into like the work, right? The work I still have left to do. But in turn... The helpers. My mom brings over chicken noodle soup. Um, One of my clients sent, or not clients, I'm sorry. (laughs) One of my friends sent, you know, a Grubhub gift card. Um, All those things. And you're like, you see the goodness in people, even at the worst times. And this was literally like my worst nightmare coming through, coming true. You know, we had spent two years in this pandemic doing every single thing we could. And this medical trauma that is so deep for me and avoiding that. And then to see it all come to fruition right after such a high on that trip. And it just was crushing. It was soul crushing to me. And then something I had been privately struggling with since Christmas time was right before Christmas, I found a lump in my breast and I had been struggling with that. And the last day of my son's COVID, you know, 10 days or whatever they say now. And because I was negative, I still was able to go to my doctor's appointment. I had an appointment to remove the Um, what we now know was a cyst. And so I go in for my appointment. And of course, I'm nervous because I've done, you know, different ultrasounds throughout the last couple months. And it was complex and they didn't know what it was and all these things. And it was scary. And I go in and they, they were actually able to aspirate it and everything was normal. It was not cancerous. It was a cyst, all the things. It was like I literally won the lottery. It was the best case scenario, right? And I'm like, wow, okay, things are starting to look up. And my son's over COVID. They lived. My husband and my dad were great. They lived, you know, all these things. And then... um I don't have cancer, which is amazing. I've been dealing with that for six months in the back of my head. So that was great. And then that night overnight at four in the morning, some random stranger broke into our backyard through our gate and broke into our garage and stole stuff out of our garage. And we had everything on camera. 
And it just was like another crushing blow. And it just felt like every time, and like it's been like this, like I said, every single month for the last, you know, six months or so. Every time you start to get your feet and your footing, like you're standing in the ocean, right? And you're like, okay, I just went under, but like I'm coming up, coming up. I see the light. You step up and you're starting to stand up and you're starting to feel strong. And then another wave comes. And then another wave comes, you know, and it just felt hard and defeating. And, you know, in the meantime, you know, I'm looking around our house and it's just a mess because we've gone through a vacation, which I still have not completely unpacked from, if I'm being completely honest. And then COVID right away and then time off of work because of that. And I have to reschedule these people and work late and okay and then I dodge cancer and that same night someone breaks into our house or like our garage you know our property which felt violating and infuriating and he made off with a bike with our son's bike trailer on it and some lawn equipment and it's just stuff right and it can be replaced but we were sleeping right there and it's scary and it feels like just like such a violation. I can't even describe it. And it was so mild in comparison to what other people go through. But it just felt like, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> and to see him hop on the bike with my son's bike trailer on the back and ride it away. It just hurt because my son loves that trailer and he loves family bike rides. And we've had some really awesome memories with that thing. And just, it just felt just like someone was pouring salt into the wound, you know? It just was like, are you kidding me? And again, more people reached out with gift cards to Grubhub and help. And my sister offered dinner. And she had actually offered dinner when we had COVID. And I and I told her, like, hey, listen, no one's really that hungry right now. Like, you know, my son's throwing up and my husband's not hungry and all these things. I said, when life gets a little crazier next week when I'm back to work making up all these people you know, maybe I'll take you up on some dinner, you know, and we kind of like laughed about it. Well, when that gentleman broke into our house or garage or whatever, I say house because it's like our gate is right there connected to the house. Um, but yeah, when he did that, it's funny because I then was able to break some habits of myself. Like I have trouble asking for help or telling people when I'm struggling. And I do a lot of like retreating, like I kind of did with the podcast and the platform where I just kind of go radio silent, right? And I expect people to know how to help me. And um, and when they don't, I kind of think of it like, you know, that they don't care or, you know, whatever. And it gave me an opportunity with my sister. And I reached out to her and I said, hey, listen, I'm going to do something that's really hard for me right now. Last week, you offered dinner during COVID, and we weren't hungry and all these things. I said, but tonight, you know, this thing happened first thing in the morning. We were trying to get my son out the door for camp. We both had to rush off to work when we just found out that all this had gone down. I'm working late tonight to try to get these clients in with, like, a 12-hour day. My husband's going to be coming right from work to pick my son up and come home, and, you know, he's going to have to pick up dinner and figure something out, and we're just exhausted. And I said... Would it be okay if I took you up on that dinner offer tonight? And I know to anybody listening, you're probably like, okay, big deal. She offered. But it is a big deal. Because even when people offer me things, I'm like, oh, no, I'm fine. Or if they say, oh, let me know. I say, oh, yeah, I will. And then I don't. And this gave me the chance to flex that muscle, to try to make a new pattern where I thought, Stop being too proud and too strong and trying to handle it all yourself while you're sinking your own ship. Reach out for that life vest. Reach out and tell somebody, hey, you know what? You offered and I am going to take you up on that because I am drowning right now. And my sister laughed at me. She goes, why do you feel weird about that? I offered you dinner. Like I wanted you to reach out, you know? And it was funny because I'm like, yeah, I know. But accepting the help from the helpers, sitting with the feeling of I'm struggling and it's okay and anybody in my shoes would be struggling right now too and this person wants to help me 
and stopping for a minute in my anger, in my frustration, in my grief, in my devastation from everything that had been going on in this shitstorm, and noticing the help, noticing the helpers. Again, in our biggest struggles, there's always a little bit of light because it really makes it obvious. Like picture it, if you're in the middle, I don't know if you've ever been in like a a really deserted area of like the woods, like up in Michigan, we call it going up north where you're just kind of out in, in the forest or the wilderness. You're away from the city and away from all the smog and the lights and everything. And you look up and the sky's pitch black. You can barely see your hand. And when you look up, the, the stars look so bright. And that's what that is. When you are in the darkness, in the depths, any little twinkle looks so bright and so while we're all sitting in the shit especially in America right now I mean anywhere really I mean there's a war in Ukraine all the craziness in the world pandemic still raging while we're all sitting in whatever personal trauma you're going through struggles you're going through you know be it society at large be it personal be it both Feel your feelings. I'm not telling your feelings don't exist. I'm not saying don't feel sad, mad, scared, all the things. Sit in the shit. You have to. If you cover it up with a Band-Aid, that wound is still going to be there for the next time. So absolutely feel your shit. But I'm going to challenge all of us to also sit with grace for the helpers. And if you can't find a helper, I'm going to challenge you to be the help. You help somebody. I've been trying to do that lately where if I feel really lonely, instead of having a pity party for myself, which sometimes I still do, I will turn it around and and reach out to somebody. Because I think to myself, if I can't feel supported or cared for right now, if I feel so alone, I'm going to at least try to help somebody else feel less alone. And I'm challenging you to do that too. Look for the help. And if you can't find it, be the help. With all of that, I want to read a couple things. So this idea of helpers actually was from something that somebody said to me, but also um, a quote. Oddly enough, it comes from Mr. Rogers. But it says, when I was a boy and I would see scary things in the news, my mother would say to me, look for the helpers. You will always find people who are helping. To this day, especially in times of disaster, I remember my mother's words and I'm always comforted by realizing that there are still so many helpers and so many caring people in this world. And then in looking up that quote, I actually found a poem. And I loved this poem, and I thought that I would share this as well. And this is from Michael, I think it's Maller, or it might be Mahler, I'm not sure. It's called Look for the Helpers. Mayhem reigns in flash and flood, in fire, blast, and quake. Sometimes the world just seems wrong, like there must be some mistake. Look then at the people, for that is when we shine. Look then for the helpers, for that is who you'll find. Helping up, helping to heal, helping from the place, helping fight the fires, helping finish the race. When things go wrong, as things may do, remember, don't despair. People are good and love abounds. There's helpers everywhere. And I know it sounds cheesy and all, you know, as I'm telling you all of this, but... There are people, when given the opportunity for the struggle, that's when they shine. That's when they, are, they allow their light to come out. You can be that, and you can always look for that and hold on to that hope. One last story before I go, and I promise it'll be quick, because, man, these things get long. All the helpers at Disney... I mean, when they say, have a magical day or whatever, you're like, no, really. Because these people do. They, they get you. They see it. They make it magical. There was a couple, you know, workers when he was having a meltdown that would kind of, you know, lean in. Hi, how old are you? You know, and engage him in conversation to kind of help distract. And I was like, oh, my God, thank you. 
um, at one kiosk. He was desperately wanting this slinky dog toy. And it was like first thing in the morning. I'm not even kidding. Like, I don't even know if the rides had started. And he's over there and he's wanting it. And I walked up to the women because, again, the anxiety, right? And there's a bunch of these women working the kiosk and they had barely opened the shop for the day and they were kind of chatting. And I walked up and just said, oh, yes, you know, I was wondering, could you save this for my son, Vaughn? Can you make sure that we put this behind the register so no one gets this one? Because we're going to come back later and pick this one up and blah, 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 because we'd already gone through it with my son that, you know, we could wait till the end of the day and we can't carry it around all day and all these things. And I'm like looking at them like desperately with this like, you know, help help me in my eyes and they're looking at me and they're and oh yes absolutely what is your name okay I'm gonna put it right here we'll make sure no one buys this one this one's yours and and all this and they totally bought into what I was selling you know I'm like please 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 join in on this and you know my son just was like okay great and felt great about it as he walked away and I turned around and said thank you so much they're like, of course, like they totally got it, you know, wink, wink, like back at them kind of. But one of these stories of the helpers, another helper at Disney was somebody that was just on the bus with us and we were leaving Magic Kingdom. I'm kidding. I kid you not when I say it was like 11, 15 at night and my son had been up since 7 a.m. And when I say that he's an energizer bunny, I'm not kidding. So we're running to this bus because I'm seeing all these people get on and we're like, that's the bus we need. And it's the end of the night. We're like, please, you know, 10 miles later. Like, let us on this bus. We we make it by the skin of our teeth. When we get on, there's no seats. There's standing room only. My husband's trying to close up the stroller, and we're trying to get my son on the bus and all the things. We finally get him on the bus, standing room only, and everyone else is seated. So it was just us standing. And, you know, it's late at night and all the things. And we got our bags. And we got his slinky dog toy, <laughs> the same one that I was just talking about. And on the bus and it's late at night and all the things and everyone's like kind of falling asleep or being quiet and the babies are sleeping and the kids are you know passing out on their mom's laps and things right and it's about probably a 20 minute ride back to the hotel well my son's gonna have to stand the whole time and we're about ready to go and I'm kind of like okay hold on you know the bus is gonna go and da 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 and you could probably hear me because again the bus was pretty quiet and this random man just comes over He's like, ma'am, which is hilarious to me that I'm ma'am, by the way, still. Ma'am, would you and your son like to come sit down over here? You could have my seat. And I was like, oh, my God. I wanted to, like, collapse and start crying because I was exhausted. And we dealt with him, you know, all day and all the things. And just trying to get him to stand for this bus ride. I was like, oh, God, he's going to, like, you know, be so exhausted. And I looked down at my son and I said, oh, this man was so kind. He said that we could sit. Do you want to sit or stand? And he said, I want to sit. I said, okay. So he said, thank you. And we went over there and sat down. And this man just stood, you know, at the front of the bus. And everyone else was falling asleep, as I'm sure he wanted to do too. And he had children. I didn't know who he was with because he got separated from them when he gave up his seat. But um, turns out he had a whole family that was on the bus and all the things. And I was just so in awe. I know it sounds so stupid because there's a lot of people listening that think like, yeah, of course you'd give your chair up, you know. But there were so many people on that bus that didn't. There's probably 50 people on that bus and no one else offered us a seat, which is totally fine. They got there first. They got the seat. We were, you know, we can stand, which I'm grateful for. But it was, again, one of those moments like with Miss Alice where you just feel so seen. Like this person is seeing me with our stroller, with our bags, with our toys, you know. After a long day, nearly midnight, and the fact that at the end of a long day at Disney, you know, again, looking for the helpers, this man saw us and his first thought was, let me help these people. That looks like a tired mom. Let me go help her out. And that was one of those things that just sat with me. And again, like I'm sitting there going... These are the small moments that, like, you could look at and say, these are the angels. These are the people that lighten your load. And I would love, if anyone out there listening, if you have any story to share like this, if you have any kind of moment, or maybe from now until the next podcast, you can find one of those moments and write in about it. I would just love to share some of those uplifting, everyday moments with people while we are all so deeply in it right now so many of us struggling that we could all kind of have these little 
twinkly stars in the sky moments and share them and, and be reminded of the good in humans while so much is going to shit. So if you'd like to share, if this is hitting a nerve, if you'd like to share any comments, questions, anything, please reach out to me at grow.up.ig on Instagram or through email at thegrowuppod at gmail.com. Thanks for being here. Thanks for letting me get all of this out. Thanks for your patience while it took so long to get this podcast out. And until next time, just keep looking inward keep doing your best. Hang in there. You've got this. I'm here for you. And I will talk to you next time. Bye-bye.